news, Travis Etienne is out for the year, plus reactions to week two of the preseason and some strategy when it comes to choosing the right contest. Welcome into episode number five of Fantasy Football Today DFS. I am your host, Frank Stample, joined as always by Mike McClure and Sina Jad. I tried my best to sound like the guy who sings Mambo number five when I just said episode number five. <laughs> How'd I do? Eh, Not I'll great. give you a B minus. B minus. All right, I'll take that. B minus. What's going on, Sia? How was the weekend? How, how did I? How did I do? Do I sound like? Uh, I don't even know what the gentleman's name is. One hit wonder. Yeah, I, I'll give you a flat B. I'm not as tough as a grader <laughs> as Mike, but no, it was a great weekend. Honestly, anytime I can watch a ton of NFL football, it's always going to be a good weekend. So obviously, I'm super excited. I mean, the countdown is on. We're, we're real close to this week one. We are very close. We're getting there. Lou Bega is the name. Got to give him a shout out. Lou Bega, Mambo number five, a little bit of Jessica. If you don't know it, if you are under the age of, I don't know, 30, you probably don't know what that song is, but go check it out. Big Mike, you literally just got off a plane and hopped on this podcast. How are you doing? I did. I'm doing well. Uh, a nice little weekend in Austin, Texas, and really fired up, charged up, ready to go for the football season. I know we this is an NFL show, but also excited for college football uh, this week as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Everything gets real later this week. I realize that I just called you Big Mike. I do this thing, this subconscious thing where I just kind of create nicknames for people on the fly. It's obviously not a creative <laughs> nickname at all. Are you actually a big person? Are you tall? I am not tall. I'm absolutely not a big person. What are we working uh, with here? What do we got? Uh, I would be probably right at 5'9". Um, All right, so we're 68 pounds somewhere in there. So. We are right not a big there. guy. We are simpatico. Yeah. I, I went to the Yankees game on Friday and I saw their shortstop Andrew Velasquez. He's like five nine, one seventy. I'm like, hey, that's me. I could I could be a professional baseball player, but actually, probably not. All right, let's talk about the big news. Travis Etienne suffered a significant list Frank injury in his foot, and he needs surgery. He's already been placed on IR, which means. He will miss the entire season. This sucks because A, he's a rookie, would have been fun to watch, and B, he's fun to watch. He's actually a really electric player, and he was in college at Clemson, and obviously uh, we were excited to see him and Trevor Lawrence play together because they did so in college, yada, yada. So this obviously sucks, and it's that weird transition now where I need to talk about who benefits from this injury, which is never an easy thing to do. But James Robinson now... You've listened to fantasy football podcasts or some emergency stuff out there already. Uh, he was really good last year. He averaged 18.8 DraftKings fantasy points per game, and that was sixth most among running backs. He handled nearly 70% of their snaps. That was seventh most in the NFL. He led his team with 37 red zone opportunities, but now has a new coaching staff. So I don't know how much that stuff really matters all that much. And of course, there's Carlos Hyde because... Thank you, Urban Meyer. Anyway, week one at Houston, $6,400 on DraftKings. That's the 13th highest price running back. $5,900 on FanDuel, half PPR, tied for 21st salary among running backs. I have a feeling he's going to be very popular there. Sia, what do you think about this whole situation? Do you think Robinson just kind of steps in 15-plus touches per game, or does Urban Meyer just do Urban Meyer things and, and Carlos Hyde is annoying? Well, Carlos Hyde is going to be annoying because he's actually a pretty decent running back. And he, of course, he's reunited with Urban Meyer from their time at Ohio State. But to your point, James Robinson will get 15 plus touches uh, week one and, and forward, in my opinion. So while Carlos Hyde will spell him here and there, 
I think uh, I think it's going to be the James Robinson show again. I'm curious to see if they mix up LaVisca Chenault a little bit in the running game, because frankly, I think they should. And honestly, I thought the Travis Etienne pick, as talented as he is, was a little extraneous, but, you know, it's Urban Meyer, so whatever. It's Steve Spurrier vibes, by the way, in my opinion. But with, with that said, I, I'm curious to see what they do with LaVisca. If, if he gets maybe a few more touches, that'll make him interesting in DFS. But yeah, James Robinson's going to be a workhorse again, because it's not going to be Carlos Hot. He's not going to be the workhorse. Yeah, Mike, same question to you. How are you feeling about this Jaguars backfield? Do you think James Robinson just kind of steps in similar role to last year? Would you be interested interested in him in week one against the Houston Texans? And uh, LaVisca Chenault, I think that this could be a good boost for him. We know he's a lower A-dot wide receiver, catches a lot of pa- passes close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, we could see his value go up as well. Yeah, no, I think Sia nailed it there. Uh, I like bringing LaVisca into this. I do think that he's so talented and someone that they definitely want to have the football in his hands. And I think this, with ETM popping up, I think that does create some more opportunity for them to get creative. I It should not be the Carlos Hyde show, really, in any way, shape, or form. He might get those annoying goal line carries at times, but uh, it's going to be James Robinson. I think he can approach, approach 20 touches uh, in week one, so... Yeah, most likely, you know, we'll see what happens with the news. There's still a lot of time, uh, but certainly someone that's probably going to be relevant, especially over there on FanDuel if he's only the 23rd or 24th uh, most expensive running back there. Yeah, LaVisca Chenault is $5,000 on DraftKings in week one going up against the Houston Texans. To put that in perspective, Marvin Jones is 3600 So we'll see. I think for me, at least, those two are going to be the top two targets in this offense. DJ Chark is working his way back, but... LaVisca Chenault, this past week in week two on Monday Night Football, he did have seven targets there from Trevor Lawrence. So that was really nice to see. And let's talk a little bit more about preseason week two, some winners and losers. Sia, who do you have as, eh, give me your winner and your loser right now from uh, week two. So I'll give you one of each here. Um, The Steelers wide receiver. See, I cheated again because I'm giving you three, but I'm giving you one, right? So it's the lawyer in me. I always find a way out of the question. Uh, So I just, I was impressed with how Big Ben looked. I I don't want to say I was surprised, but I did want to see him kind of sling it around a little bit. He looked comfortable. I think Pittsburgh, of course, they're going to run the ball a little bit more this year, but kind of think this offensive line is a mess. And I think they're going to be probably passing the ball a little bit more and kind of, you know, using Big Ben a little bit more than people think. So Deontay, uh, Claypool, and Juju, I think are all, uh, I think they're all going to pick up stats. They're all really solid. I think Deontay's getting a little undervalued, uh, whether it's the DFS market or the year-long market. So I I like him probably the most of the three. Uh, The loser for me is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, he he has an ankle injury. We're not sure how severe the ankle injury is, but you also have Daryl Williams there. You also have Jarek McKinnon there. At the end of the day, how many touches does Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get? Uh, Mike being so close to Kansas City, maybe he has an opinion on that. But I I just feel like the way they operate, especially in the red zone, you have these other two running backs, but you also have sort of the gadgety plays that they run uh, inside the red zone and and the pass plays they run. So I just the vibes for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it's not great. Yeah, I mean, there might not be a more polarizing player in season-long fantasy drafts than Clyde Edwards-Elair. He's a borderline second, third-round pick. Obviously, he's tied to the Chiefs' offense, so there's massive upside there. Uh, Mike, do you have a take on Clyde Edwards-Elair and the Chiefs' backfield? This week in the preseason, they played 32 snaps with the starters, 10 for Darrell Williams, 9 for Jarek McKinnon, 8 for Darwin Thompson, 5 for CEH, who wound up leaving the game. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I think so far what we've seen, I think, again, right on, those guys are going to play. 
Um, I, I think that they're going to play. I don't think it's any scenario even close to he's a true featured back. Like I, I think that those guys are going to play, and you've got so many big playmakers on that offense. It's just really, really tough to see a significant role with a lot of upside carved out for him, in my opinion. they just Their goal here is going to be health. They want to stay healthy. They're going to rotate those bodies in. They're going to try and get to the Super Bowl here, have a great season. I don't see them leaning super heavily on uh, CEH here. So I definitely agree with putting them in the loser category here. All right, so let's go right back to you here, Mike. Who were your winners and losers from week two? Uh, the winner's got to be Zach Wilson. We'll talk about the Jets, obviously, on both of these here. But uh, Wilson looks absolutely fantastic. We've heard a lot of talk about some of his weapons, uh, you know, in the offseason here with Elijah Moore and then Corey Davis. Corey Davis, massive breakout year last year. Kind of saw it coming a little bit in a contract year. But he is incredibly impressed with Zach Wilson as well. I think this is a kid who's going to come in and going to be pretty good. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it's obviously early. It's obviously the preseason, but everything we've seen so far, he's definitely the uh, the rookie quarterback that I think we should all be talking about quite a bit. All right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't pay Mike to talk about the Jets, but I'm happy he did, and <laughs> it, it turns out that his loser is actually on the same team. Yes, it's going to be Michael Carter. Uh, zero first string snaps uh, with the starters here. Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson were the two that got the carries there. I'm a little concerned. Obviously, Tevin Coleman has had flashed a lot of upside at times in his career. It's very, very concerning. Unless there's news that I've missed that they just had no intentions of running him out there yet. But Michael Carter's someone that the initial reaction in the Daily Fantasy community was he was going to start week one. There was some reports of that very early, I believe before the first preseason game, that they intended to have him start week one. He's the minimum salary. So he's someone we've all been wanting to pay attention to a little bit, but very, very concerning. He did not take any reps with the starters. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I think it was worth mentioning because he's someone we talked about before that yeah. could potentially be in play for week one. And uh, Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson are handing, handling the starting duties for now. And Coleman is 4,900. Ty Johnson is 4,400 on DraftKings. Heading into week one, it should be a good matchup against the Carolina Panthers, but looks like it's going to be a running back by committee, at least early on for the New York Jets. Wouldn't surprise me if as the season goes along, is this a situation where it seems like every year there's a rookie running at, running back that we're excited about, but they're just not going to get work until the second half of the season. I kind of feel like that's going to be the case for yeah. Michael Carter. I did just want to touch on Corey Davis real quick. He has been targeted on 10 of 13 routes by Zach Wilson here in the preseason. So you're right. Absolute mm -hmm. target monster to this point. But... I do want to see it with Elijah Moore on the field. Elijah Moore did announce that he plans to play in their third preseason game. So we could get a little bit more clarity on that situation there. Some quick winners and losers from me, the Saints, Marquez Calloway and Jameis Winston. I'm cheating here just like you did, Sia. But just this entire passing attack, Winston, I mean, he should be the starting quarterback. He went 9 for 10 in that game against the Jaguars, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Marquez Calloway scored both of those touchdowns, five receptions, over 100 yards. And both of those touchdowns came on plays where they were just fantastic throws by Winston. He just throws it up. And they beat the best corner on the Jaguars in Shaquille Griffin, who I guess you could say what you want about him, but they gave him a bunch of money in the offseason. And by all accounts, I think he's a pretty talented player. So uh, Winston and Callaway, that connection looks pretty good The way, uh, there. See ya. Callaway is $3,400 in week one on DraftKings going up against the Green Bay Packers with 
presumably no Michael Thomas. Yeah, it's 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 going to be hard not to grab a share there, especially if Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback, which he should be. Clearly a favorite target. In fact, we talked about Callaway last week. We said he's going to be probably the number one target over Traquan Smith, over obviously an injured Michael Thomas. So yeah, that one, you know, it's funny because we talked about this maybe with our first show. The the pricing is going to be so soft. There are going to be so many Marquez Callaway type guys in terms of just really low price with really high upside. And let's not forget, I know, I think it was Mike uh, mentioned this game in our first show as well in terms of the fantasy appeal. This is a 50 point over under. Okay. So this has plenty of fantasy appeal and there's only so many guys you're going to want to grab on the Saint side in terms of shares. It's probably Alvin Kamar. It's probably Marcus Callaway. And that's a wrap. So it is a very interesting game to stack because you can get some salary relief. And the, and, and what that does is it, it helps you get a Devonte Adams. It helps you get an Aaron Rodgers or an Aaron Jones, depending on how you want to play. It's very interesting. Yeah, a very narrow target share I'd be expecting for this team too. Adam Troutman left that same game on Monday Night Football uh, Week 2 preseason, so we'll see what happens with him. But Traquan Smith working his way back. If Winston is the starter, he's already kind of got that connection with Callaway, so uh, should be interesting for Week 1. And a quick loser for me, another rookie running back, Javante Williams with the Broncos. The starters played 26 snaps in Week 2, Javante Williams had 15 of those. Royce Freeman had 11. So it's very clear to me that they're going to split the work between their running backs. And I would bet on once the season starts, that's probably 60% Melvin Gordon and the 40% is going to Javante Williams. So while I do like the talent, it's actually it's weird because Javante Williams and Michael Carter both went to North Carolina and they're both kind of in similar situations for fantasy right now. But I think as the season goes along, we will be leaning on Javante Williams a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit of strategy like we do on every podcast here throughout the month of August and choosing the right NFL DFS contest. You hear a lot of people talk about this, but they don't exactly tell you what to do. What are the contests to target? And we also hear that, you know, it's a large majority of being profitable in DFS is making sure you choose the right contest. It's not just okay, the players, yeah, you got to get the players down and figure all that stuff out. But choosing the right contest could go a long way as well. So just kind of an overarching theme here. We're going to do some stuff where I'm actually going to pull up DraftKings here. If you're watching on the YouTube side of things, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. It's going to be fun this year because we'll be able to pull up DraftKings and Sportsline, the optimizer, and kind of work in a bunch of stuff here visually so that you can watch along with us. But I'll pull that up. We'll take a look at some contests. But an overarching theme, Mike, what goes into the decision-making for you when it comes to choosing the right NFL DFS contest? Yeah, so for me, it's going to be the size of the contest. The rake is ultimately number one. Uh, that's the commission that, each, that the site is going to take from each player. That's going to be the most important thing for me. But for the listeners at home and viewers here, I think the most important question you have to answer is what is your goal? Is your goal simply just to have some entertainment? You want to have a shot to play for a million dollars? Or do you want to kind of mitigate some of the risk, make sure what you're doing is sustainable, and in the process, give up maybe a little bit of that upside that you theoretically have? So that's what you need to ask yourself first. If you're someone that's okay with just taking a shot at a million dollars, just go play tournaments and have fun with it. Uh, but if you're looking for a more sustainable approach, then you're going to want to be concerned with the rake, number one, that again, the fee that the site is taking. You're going to be want to concern yourself with the number of entries that are allowed into a contest. 
uh, whether that's single entry, 150 max, three max, five max, or 20 max. Uh, there's similar strategies for a few of those, very different strategies for some of those on each end of those spectrums. But those are the things that you're going to look at immediately. Uh, if you're someone that's looking at the contest and really trying to have a sustainable approach week after week. Yeah, I think it's very well said. And, and we've mentioned the word goal plenty of times here on this podcast. And again, there's nothing wrong. If you just want to throw a couple of entries into the Millie Maker week in and week out, that's perfectly fine. You just have to realize that you're, you're more often than not, not going to get paid out. And if you do get paid out, you, you're probably not going to have a big payday. I mean, anything can happen, but you just have to be realistic with yourself and your goals and, and what you want to do. So Sia, what are some of those goals for you that you're trying to do week in and week out? And uh, what goes into the decision-making for you when it comes to choosing these contests? So the hardest part about setting goals is maintaining them. Because what happens is you go into, you know, DraftKings, for example, and you just, it, it's so hard not to look to your right and see, oh, wow, this is a million dollar contest or, oh, wow, this is this is such a big prize pool. And unfortunately, later, later on in the show, we're going to talk about sort of how to assess the, the prize pool and, and the monetary amount in terms of, A, what the rake is and who gets paid out and, and things of that nature, which is, is it's super helpful. But at the end of the day, my goal is to see some green at the end of each week or at the end of each Sunday, if you will. And so the way I think I can do that is to make sure that I'm investing a lot of money in cash games, 50-50s, double ups, if you will. And then I'm playing some single entries. I'm playing some three maxes. I might I might dabble in some, you know, 150 maxes or 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 20 maxes, but not nearly as much as the single entries. So essentially what I do is I'll build lineups that are generally cash lineups. And then I'll tweak those lineups as I go and start building for single entry, which is going to be a small tweak from cash. And then I'll build a little bit differently, maybe for three max and so on and so forth. So a lot of my investment is going to be in cash and in those sort of smaller um, entry size tournaments. I'll go right back to you here, Sia. Do you have favorite contests that you know that you'll be playing week in and week out, whether it's a name of a specific GPP or a specific tournament, or are you making sure that you are in the NFL massive $25 double up single entry every single week? Is that something that you're looking at? Is it a mix of those and head to heads? Which one are your favorites? Yeah, so it's my favorites that I'll play every week. And when we when we pull it up, maybe we can actually see it. But it's it's a lot of the single entries. A lot of the I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like the $27 single entries, the uh the I mean, I'll play some of the hundred dollar single entries, some of the two hundred SEs as well. And then I'll, the cash games, I'll, I'll probably play a few just to just to vary it a little bit. They'll usually be like in the fifty dollar double up range, maybe sometimes $125, depending on you know what my pocketbook looks like. Maybe it's a couple $5 ones, a $10 one. So yeah, I play most of the single entries every week. The, the reasonable ones, the ones that aren't like, you know, 500 and change and, and beyond, you know, I'm usually relegating myself into the single entries that are between, let's say 27 bucks and between that and 200. Yeah. So for example, this is one that we have here. This is the 250K end zone, which I, I've pulled up DraftKings if you're watching us here on YouTube. Thank you for watching. But uh, this is a $75 entry. It's a single entry. And we'll talk a little bit more about all these different things that you're seeing. This is actually a Roto Grinders app, a widget on Google Chrome. It's an extension. Uh, but we'll ex 
explain it in a little bit, but this is an example of something that Sia might be looking at here in terms of a single entry GPP on NFL Sunday. Mike, for you, do you have any specific contests that you know that you're playing week in and week out regardless? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm going to play the Millionaire Maker every single week for sure. Um, and that's one that, you know, you end up throwing a lot more away than anything, but you play it for a lot of upside. Um, one contest that I really love, uh, I think is a great contest for you. Some, a lot of players, frankly, in our audience that'll be wanting to start to get into some of the multi-entry, looking for that upside still, but nice flat payout structure. That's going to be the $9 slant. So it's the NFL 300K slant. $9 entry fee, it's 30000 to first, so it's going to be 10% to first, only less than 30% to the top 10, so it's a very flat payout structure. Uh, last place, 20.6% of the field gets paid, and the last place that gets paid is doubling their money. Uh, so it's a lot like a, it's like a hybrid cash game, essentially. Um, I, I like this tournament a lot at a $9 price point. You don't have to play up to 150 If you want to max it out, you can. But that structure is going to be very friendly to where you're still going to have a really high probability of making a profit, returning something consistently, as opposed to playing a millionaire maker or some of the others that will routinely have 30 to 50% of the field, uh, the prize pool going to first place. Awesome. Yeah, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to look at this Google Chrome extension and kind of explain everything that Mike was just talking about in terms of the rake and uh, the, some of these numbers you're seeing in terms of overlay as well. You can see all of that with this pretty cool extension. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Football Today DFS. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so Mike, we're going to pretty much let you drive this entire segment uh, because this is something that you honestly just told CNI about. I didn't know about it uh, until really a couple of months ago, oh, a couple of weeks ago maybe it was. But yeah, I've now installed it and it is called it's called the Roto Grinders DraftKings DFS, something like that. I'm doing this no justice. <laughs> Yeah, I actually don't even have the name of it pulled up, but uh, you, if you just simple Google search, you'll find it as well. And uh, we'll, we'll make sure we can tweet about or do something there to get you get it in your hands. But it's the Roto Grinders uh, DraftKings tools may, might be the way to. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. it. Yeah. yeah. And you need to be on Google Chrome, too, which look, yes. Google Chrome is not paying me to do this. But like, why <laughs> would you use any browser? outside of Google Chrome. I don't know. I mean, it's the one that I use the most. But anyway, if you're on Google Chrome, search Roto Grinders DraftKings tool, and then you can 
pull it up, you can add it on. And uh, there's a few other things. They have a video that kind of teaches you how to install it, but it's, look, if I could figure it out, I assume most of you watching can also figure it out here as well. So you're watching, we have all these things going on right here. Mike, what are we seeing? For example, I'm hovering over this power sweep. It's the three max entry. Uh, it's $150 buy-in. And we're seeing a bunch of different things here that say margin overlay. What does that mean? So the margin is what I call the rake. Uh, we've been talking about that pretty significantly there. So the first one you're looking at the power sweep 9.99, it's going to be 10 per flat 10%, which is kind of what we used to think of as the industry standard. That number's obviously gone up in a lot of the tournaments, but that's going to be a flat 10% rake there. The overlay is just basically showing you what percent of the contest is remaining uh, that hasn't been filled. So in this case, 93.5% uh, of the money that is guaranteed is not accounted for yet. Um, that, that's essentially what that is saying. Um, so those numbers are important. The margin is going to be the most important. The overlay you'll find at times, but again, things fill very quickly at the end of the uh, the lineup lock period. So not a massive thing to concern yourself with just yet. Uh, the, the number that's the most important here is going to be the margin. Yeah. Again, that is the rake, which we spoke about on our DFS terminology episode. And yeah, overlay you're seeing here 93%. Uh, has not been filled yet, but obviously there's a lot of time before week one of the NFL season begins. So I assume a lot of these contests will be filled, but maybe you get lucky and you will find some contests uh, with overlay there as well. I'm going to pull up the, just the, the all here, all contests, and we can kind of scroll through here and see maybe which contests have more margin or rake. For example, this Massive $25 double up. This is a cash game where you're looking to basically double your money, which we spoke a lot about. The margin for this is 13%. So, and then the one right above it is a 5% uh, $5 double up. The margin for that is 12.85%. So uh, is that common that we're going to see more rake in, I guess, lower priced cash game yep. contests? Definitely, definitely. Okay. The uh, the re you'll see the rake drop as the stakes increase. Uh, so if you're looking around that, I think the biggest example where you kind of have to ask yourself what you're doing there is that $25 price point that you mentioned. There's a giant $25 double up, single entry, 12.99, 13% rake. If you're planning to or wanting to play at least four of those, the $100 one is only 9.99%. It's 3% less rake uh, just for playing the $100 game versus four of those $25 games. So that's an interesting question. Assuming you're going to play the same lineup in them, you're almost definitely going to want to uh, play that $100 game only once and save the 3% rake. Is That is a pretty significant number depending on how many contests you're playing. But even just that one contest stretched out over 17 weeks of the season uh, makes a big difference for sure. Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting way to put it, right? Because, look, as the season goes along, you might figure, oh, I really do like my cash game lineup. Let me throw it in a few more contests like this, double ups, 50-50s, whatever it might be, where if, if that's the case, if you're getting hit with 13% rake, then yeah, it does make sense to, okay, instead of throwing it in, uh, well, this isn't a good example, but instead of throwing four different $25 uh, lineups in, yes, the $100 is uh, below 10% rake there. So that is... 
That's, that's good to know. All right. So Mike, Mike, let me ask you though, because I think as the stakes go up for your double ups, for example, let's say you go to the hundred or 200 or $150 range. Uh, is it your experience that the, the level of play, the level of DFS pro, for example, goes up as well? So is there an argument for diversifying on the lower end because you might have, you know, less quote professionals in the, in the lower end tournaments? So there is, uh, I kind of mentioned it, I think it was a couple shows ago now. So my strategy as far as how many cash games I play will be something that is fluid that changes throughout the season. Uh, typically play more early as there's a lot of, everyone's excited, a lot of new players, all of that. Um, as far as the, the stakes as they increase, um, in double ups, you will notice that the the score needed to cash will start to creep up and rise a little bit above that. Um, in tournaments at the higher price point, you'll notice that the score needed to win will be significantly lower in the high dollar price points than it is needed in the lower dollar contests. Um, some of it is a product of just fewer number of entries altogether. And then also just kind of the way some of the quote unquote professional players will be playing. Many have a very, very similar strategy and are using very similar data. So you kind of get things that bunch, uh, and don't, frankly make bad plays uh, you know bad plays win all the time right um so that i don't know the best way to put that and say it but it's it can vary drastically um but it also is kind of a product of the week right so did the chalk hit did the chalk not hit that's going to be what determines it a little bit more than just being in that price point if that makes sense mm-hmm yeah, and if you don't like rake, then you just have to play in this uh, twenty-six thousand dollar contest right here, where it's uh, it's only four and a half percent. That's that's not so bad, right? We've we've all got that kind of laying around. All right, let's actually click on one of these and, and see all these other kind of tools that we can use while making lineups here. All right, so this is, for example, this is a $150 entry, which you see here. It's called the Power Sweep. It's a three-entry max, and we have a whole bunch of numbers. Again, this is the margin or the rake. That's right around 10%. Uh, and then we have a few other things going on here, Mike, which, if you can explain, we'd appreciate that. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, you start at the top, you see the margin, 10% uh, entries and how much it pays. So this is saying there are 22.61% of the field is going to get paid out on this one with a minimum cash return of 1.5x. The contest I mentioned earlier was 1.2. This one's actually relatively low. We see it like this in some of these higher dollar ones, but a typical structure from them is going to be like one67 X is what you're going to return. So this one's kind of on the lower end on the 1.5 X, but it is paying out 22.6% versus 17 to 18% of the field. So it's really something you have to look at some of your previous results, look at some of your experiences there and understand the kind of lineups that you're building and entering. Um, you know, how often are you on that little tipping point of the 23% of the field versus the 18% of the field to really understand, uh, if this is the right contest for you or if one that is going to pay out at 2x but only pay 18% of the field. Uh, so those are things that you can track and monitor. Um, other thing I think you should be concerned with, and my strategy here changes drastically based on a full slate or a showdown slate, but it will show you what percentage of the overall prize pool goes to first place and then what percentage of the top 10 
Uh, those numbers are very, very important. Um, you know, you get into contests like the Millionaire Maker and some of the others, you're getting 50 plus percent of the entire prize pool is only going to the top 10 finishers. That's very, very, very top heavy and very, frankly, unrealistic to expect to win uh, in, in those situations. Yeah. So for example, this one here, I'm currently highlighting, if you look where my mouse is, I'm sorry for anyone who's listening, but we're kind of walking through everything and explaining it for those who are listening as well. But right next to the prizes, it says there's $600,000 in prizes. First place, which Mike was just talking about, gets around 17%. And then the top 10 gets around 40%. So Sia, what do you think about a contest like this where 17% of the prize pool goes to first place and then top 10 gets about 40%. It, it, is this something that's considered top heavy or does that sound about right? Yeah, that's considered top heavy. I mean, that, that top 10, 40%, I'd prefer that to be a little bit lower um, and, and just have a little bit more balance throughout whatever, you know, in this case, the 22% that's getting paid. So 40% uh, is a little high. I mean, that doesn't mean you shouldn't play the tournament, but it's a little high. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, this slant that you mentioned earlier, Mike, this is 10% goes to first place and the top 10 get 29% of the payout. So that, that's pretty good, right? That's something that's why you like a contest like that. Yeah, it's a much more flatter contest. Uh, it's going to be more sustainable for the majority of listeners and viewers of the show. Um, it's really, really good contest. Uh, it's probably a step up from the second contest that I'll go ahead and probably just have you pull it up because I think this is one where a lot of our audience is going to want to gravitate here and really kind of learn to play multiple lineups. It's going to be the $500,000 play in. It's a 20 max entry and a $3 price point. Um, so anyway, each player can enter up to 20 times, $3 to enter. The rake is a high 15.9%. However, it's paying back 25% of the field at 1.67x. Um, so going to play a little bit more like a triple up or like a three man league essentially than it is like a large, large field tournament. Um, first place is only 10%, 27% to the top 10 going to be very flat, but fortunately the NFL is so large, it's very flat, but you're still looking at a $50,000 payday if you are able to take it down. So you still have significant and meaningful upside, uh, but you're going to limit the downside a lot. So I, I expect a lot of our listeners, a lot of our users to, really start here, uh, especially if you're allocating, you know, say 60 bucks to max this out three, $3, 20 entries. Um, that's probably should be where your first $60 of tournament play go. And you said it was called, what was it called again? The play in? It was play at the top, action. Frank, when you typed in play, um, really? I, it was, it was the top one, I believe. Let's see. Let's see if I could pull this up here and you can sort by total prizes. It'll be the highest, uh, Oh, you see, you guys are you guys are a lot better at this than I am. All right. So there you go. They got two of them because they've already got the second one in the lobby for when this one fills. Um, oh, it's one of yeah. these two, the play action or whatever? Yep. Yeah, it's the top. Mm -hmm. They should have very, very similar structures. But this is one that I think a lot of our users will be, uh, if not here, it'll be the one. They have a $1 version of this one that's also a 20 max. Okay. Um, but this one is probably the most recommended 
Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely good to know. And this is what we're talking about, knowing which contests to play. And speaking of which, I was thinking about it and we'll do something. We'll figure something out where I want to make a contest for this podcast and the listeners and viewers of the podcast so we can all kind of play together. So we'll figure something out, whether it's a tournament type setting or if it's a 50-50 type. So we'll figure something out, but we'll we'll make something happen for uh, those of you who listen to this podcast and it should be a lot of fun. All right. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of what type of games that you should be playing in. And of course, uh, that tool that I mentioned, it is a the Roto-Grinders Roto DraftKings tool, and it is a Google Chrome extension. They also have one for FanDuel, and I was messing around with that last night, and it's very similar. So everything that you just saw, I mean, it's showing a lot of the same things, the margin, which is the rake, overlay, so on and so forth there. I'm going to put you guys on the spot now. If you have... $100. You want to spend $100 per week during the NFL season. It's a lot of money. $1,600. Well, now $1,700. Actually, no, there's $1,800 now because that would be 18 weeks, one bye week. All right. $1,800. Not saying you have to do this, but this is just an example. $100 per week. You want to allocate that a way that you can maximize your chances at profit. See, I'll give it to you first. How would you look to spend that $100? I would probably do 50-50. In other words, cash games for 50% of it. And then I would probably do uh, maybe 30 to 40% in in the like the single entry or three max space and, may, and maybe that leftover 10 to 20% in maybe some of the, the bigger high upside tournaments. How about you, Mike? Are, are you allocating, uh, well, see, you mentioned 50% to cash games. So I guess that includes head-to-heads, obviously. But if you want to break it down even uh, finer than that, Mike, if if it's 25% is head-to-heads, the other 25% is double-ups, whatever it might be, how would you allocate that $100 to maximize your profit? Yeah, I would start, uh, I, I think that it's probably going to be, if it's $100, it would be between 40 and 60, which is a large range, I know, dedicated to cash games, depending on how aggressive you want to be or how safe you want to play it. Um, and in doing that of the, so we'll, we'll call it an even 50, I would have probably 30 to $35 in the double up range. Um, I would have some of the rest in the three man leagues. Um, I, in this specific example, I'm probably not going to play any head to head. Uh, if I was playing more than that, I would squeak the head to head in more, but I, I think that you're going to be better served by playing double ups and three-man leagues, um, that's where you're going to get a little more source, uh, a little more upside, a little more uh, return there for that. So probably, like I said, be 30 to $35 on double-ups. The rest, I would tuck that all the way into three-man leagues. Um, then we move over to the tournament side where you're going to have $50 to play with there. I would start with the $9 contest. I know it's a not a three-max enter. I would enter it three times. And then after that, I'd move to the $3 that is a 20 max. I would enter that the three times I go to the $1. I would enter that with my three lineups uh, and just kind of max it out. till you get to that point. Uh, if you want to play a single entry tournament with what's left, I would do that, but I, I would like to get focused on the three max strategy, even though you don't have to enter those in three max contests, you can still just build as if you're playing three max as your bankroll grows, you can move up in stakes and get into the true three max entries. But I would recommend learning that strategy and focusing on that. Um, that way you have more upside when you are correct. So rather than 
playing 20 different lineups in the $1 or however many it may be. I'd rather focus on the three, learn to build them correctly, and then tuck them into multiple contests that give you that upside on the leaderboard that way. Yeah, and if you really have conviction on certain plays, then that might make the most sense for you anyways to just focus on three lineups and then maybe enter them in different contests uh, that way. So if, if things hit, then obviously you can cash out uh, at multiple different price points. See, when it comes to cash games, are you focusing more on single entry, multi-entry? Does it matter? Because I know that massive double up is a single entry. Obviously, once we get into like multi-entry stuff, it's you can have better players who are entering you know, a ton of lineups. So does that matter to you? A little bit. I just prefer the single entry one. So, and I prefer, you know, a field that's probably in the the 100 to 300 or 500 range, or, you know, I don't want it to be in the double ups. I don't want it to be a super small contest. Like I'd rather avoid the the 30 or 60 man ones uh, or 30 or 60 entry ones. So yeah, I mean, give me, give me the double ups, give me the ones that have a, a relatively large field. And that that's what I'm focused on. Mike, when it comes to creating your own head-to-heads, uh, what goes into that? Uh, I mean, you could just go to the to the lobby and create them, or you can join contests that are already there. Uh, I do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, sometimes I'll post and let anyone join. Other times I'll sit there in the lobby and look for the opponents that I want to play. Um, but you can do that. I was trying to think if you wanted to pull your screen up, we could maybe do that. You go to create a contest, or you can create the lineup first. But uh, Select your sport, select the mode, classic, and then we'll select that first slate. And so we want to make it public or private. We'll make them public, and then you select create head-to-head, and it'll ask you how many at each price point. You can set it all up that way, and these will be head-to-heads that will populate in the lobby. Anyone out there can join the game. Okay, yeah. So If you want to go look for other people, you can do that as well. So yeah, you can make... 10 $1 head-to-heads, if that's what you wanted to do, you can make one $10 head-to-head. You can make four $5 head-to-heads. You can make uh, whatever price point you... Well, not whatever price point, but yeah, these are the ones that are available. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty easy enough. And then you hit next and uh, good to go there when uh, creating your own head-to-heads. We're going to wrap up this discussion with... We've obviously just told everyone what we want them to do when finding the right contest. What don't we want them to do, Sia? What things are you looking to avoid? What mistakes have you noticed people making when it comes to contest selection in NFL DFS? Well, first of all, not using the tool that we just went over. Now, no, I don't. I haven't used much of this tool either, but but I, I will go into the tournament and and do the math myself in terms of how many people are getting paid out, whether it's top heavy and things of that nature. So that's definitely something you really need to consider, whether that's downloading this extension or whether it's just kind of going in there and figuring out early on in the season, hey, these are the tournaments I want to focus on on a week-to-week basis. I mean, you can truly narrow it down to, and Mike did such a good job of sort of laying out how we would allocate the $100, the, the hypothetical $100, because you can just tell yourself, I'm going to play every week. I'm going to play, unless somehow it just it's not working out for you, I'm going to play this $3 contest this many times, this $1 contest this many times, these double ups. And early in the season, either by using this extension, listening to our podcast, or just doing the, the, the numbers yourself, you can kind of pinpoint, well, do I want to be in a contest that pays out 23 or 24% and gets let's say 1.5 times my money on a minimum cash, or do I want to be in a contest that pays out 18% and pays, you know, two times minimum cash and is, you know, relatively top heavy. So you can make those decisions yourself, but 
you, you really have to, to get a leg up on how you want to, how you want your money to be invested. You kind of have to pick those contests. To me, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And I think, again, it kind of full circle here. It comes down to your goals and what you're trying to do on a weekly basis. Mike, is there anything you wanted to add it on what not to do when it comes to selecting contests? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing here is to just even you, you may love a lineup. There's no reason to just play more because you like one lineup. Um, in my opinion, I, I would like to preach being as consistent as possible, being as disciplined as possible. Uh, it's a long season. You're going to find better results if you find a process that is sustainable for you and stick to it. Um, you know, I see a lot of people that will, you know, it may not win week one. They'll, they'll want to double up and play more in week two. They'll like the lineup more or they'll win week one and have a nice cash there. So they'll all of a sudden jump up to a level of contest and stakes that is not something that's sustainable for them long-term, especially should they lose in week two. Uh, and when you do things like that, it really, really throws you off. Um, so I would recommend against that. I think it's fine to move up in stakes throughout the season. Hopefully that's a goal for everyone, right? Is to, to make enough money to be able to increase the play. Um, but I, I don't like to see it just because you either like a lineup or you had success, massive success the week before. Um, you know, a good rule of thumb there is if you lose that contest several weeks in a row, can you afford to still enter that that again, right? So if you're not able to do that for, you know, I, I like to be ultra ultra conservative with it, but at least five to six weeks in a row, then you're you're simply playing above your means, and you, you need to drop down in stakes, come up with a process that's going to be more sustainable. Otherwise, you're going to have this little yo-yo effect where you're just going to leave yourself frustrated. Yeah, it's like poker, Frank. You know, you don't want to enter a big tournament with 10 buy-ins if you can help it. You know, you, you want to have like a deeper stack. You want to be able to splash the pot a little bit here and there. So that, that's I think that's really good advice that, you know, make sure whatever you're doing is sustainable over the season so that you can enjoy DraftKings instead of being frustrated by the fact that you're not able to play. All right. Very well done there. Choosing the right DFS contest is paramount when it comes to uh, specifically NFL DFS for the sake of this podcast, but I would say for all of DFS, NBA, PGA, MLB, whatever it might be. Uh, let's get back to a few other week two takeaways and some mentioned some other winners and losers that I had, and you guys can react to these and you know how interested we might be in these guys early on in the season. Uh, the winners that I had, Jacoby Myers, three receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown from Cam Newton. It looks to me like Cam Newton's probably going to be the starter early on. And if that's the case, Jacoby Myers could be locked in as his number one target. Terrace Marshall played all seven snaps with the starters again for the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold did play in those seven snaps. There was no DJ Moore in this game. So obviously that is worth mentioning. Uh, Terrace Marshall has ran 28 routes this preseason. 17 of those have come from the slot. Sam Darnold likes throwing to the slot. Terrace Marshall Definitely could be utilized in the red zone. He is a big body, so uh, we talk about him a lot, but a name to pay attention to. Miles Gaskin led the Dolphins in snaps this past week. He had 10 touches. He had two touchdowns. I know that Malcolm Brown also had 10 carries in this game. He scored a short touchdown. Sia, do you have any thoughts here on the Dolphins running back by committee? I thought that this was a nice bounce back for Miles Gaskin following the reports that we got the week before. 
Yeah, it's a nice bounce back, but it doesn't tell me much. Again, uh, last week, we we uh, I talked about five running back committees to just kind of avoid, and this is one of them, and it's still one of them. To be honest with you, if if there was such a big talent gap, if I thought there was a big talent gap between Gaskin and Malcolm Brown, Salvin Ahmed, even Patrick Laird, I would love this this bounce back but it just there's the talent gap isn't there so i just want to avoid it Najee harris i mentioned this already but he played 15 of 16 snaps with the starters so looks like he's locked into that bell cow role and then rondell moore with the cardinals he had four more touches three catches one carry for the cardinals uh, 19 of 21 routes in week two came in the slot and he played every snap with the starters. The Cardinals run a ton of four wide receiver sets. So I think Moore is there. I think he's locked in. I think it's Hopkins. I think it's A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore for when they're running those four wide receiver sets. When they go to three wide receivers, that remains to be seen who's going to come off the field. But they drafted Rondell Moore for a reason, and he looks pretty good so far. A few other losers I wanted to mention. And see, I know this is your guy, Miles Sanders. I noticed three different Eagles running backs had at least one touch on their first two drives of the game, and that came with the starters. Does that worry you for Miles Sanders? No, because Jordan Howard isn't the running back that Miles Sanders is, for one. And and Kenny Gainwell is, he's I'm sure he's good, but again, I think he's sort of in that sort of Javante Williams lost space as a rookie. I, I, I get very frustrated when everybody just assumes a guy who was good in college and is, and is a rookie, whether it's a quarterback or a running back in particular, that they're just going to automatically start and get a lot of touches. So to me, it's Miles Sanders and everybody else. And, and the fact that Jordan Howard got carries is it's preseason. Like this guy, I, I, no disrespect, but he hasn't been impactful from a fantasy standpoint in, in a number of years at this point, at least two. So I'm still high on Miles Sanders. I want to hear this news. I want his stock to fall so that I can grab him even later. Michael Carter. We mentioned him. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, the only other one I wanted to mention here. Gus Edwards played more snaps with the starters. He also played on third down. Uh, I like the talent of J.K. Dobbins a ton, but if Gus Edwards is splitting early early down snaps, stealing some third down, they don't really throw the ball to their running backs all that much. J.K. Dobbins, uh, I don't know. I, I think he could kind of hopefully be like a Nick Chubb version of this offense, but I just don't, I don't think he's as good as Nick Chubb, so that's that's the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I think it's going to be very frustrating in DFS to play either of these two guys. Gus Edwards is a good runner. He's very north-south. He 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 like with the way they run that read option, he's he's a really, really good fit. So by the way, let me just point out one thing. Miles Sanders in DraftKings is sixty five hundred. And that's a game that people are going to want to stack, but they're probably going to want to stay away from Miles Sanders, especially with this news, because 6,500 is kind of a lot when you have so much value in the 5K range in particular. So I'm just throwing that out there as as like almost like this will be a somewhat popular game. I think it will be a little contrarian to grab shares of Miles in this particular game week one. So it's something to consider. The latest news, some things I wanted to hit on here. Daryl Henderson has been diagnosed with a mild thumb sprain, but is slated to be available for week one against the Bears. Both Jake Funk and Xavier Jones looked pretty good this past week. Uh, I'm cooling a little bit on Daryl Henderson. I'm not going to completely back off, but the fact that his backups have played well uh, and the fact that they have a better quarterback now in Matthew Stafford, see, I, I think that they might just throw the ball a ton, which could mean great things for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. 
I think you're right about that. I think it's going to mean great things for them. I, I still like Daryl Henderson. I, I still might be willing to play him. I don't know about week one, but you know he he has a nice he has a nice price point. I don't think Xavier Jones or Jake Funk can take this job. What I think the Rams are going to do is pick up somebody who gets released, or maybe they maybe somebody maybe the Patriots trade like a Sony Michelle, you know, for a sixth round pick or something like that. This backfield is not complete yet. Is my point. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that Latavius Murray gets cut by the Saints, which we've heard a few times. And then on the ESPN broadcast, uh, they said that Sean Payton listed Tony Jones as their RB2, as the Saints RB2. So definitely something to pay attention to there. Jones is an undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame from last season back in 2020. The Lions mentioned that DeAndre Swift may not be available for week one. They're concerned about it at this point against the 49ers. Jamal Williams is $4,500 on DraftKings, $4,900 on FanDuel. So if Swift were to miss that game, I'm sure uh, Jamal Williams is one of those players who uh, we might talk about as chalk. I don't know. It's it's a pretty tough matchup. Big underdogs. We'll see. C.D. Lamb, he entered COVID protocols on Monday, so he's going to be away from the team for quite a bit. Uh, both Carson Wentz and guard Quentin Nelson returned to practice on Monday. And after handling first-team reps and participating in seven-on-seven drills, Wentz indicated that he's optimistic about being ready for week one. I know that we previously spoke about this. Mike, what do you think? Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson getting healthy for week one definitely could mean good things for your boy, Michael Pittman, and obviously Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, no, I think it means great things for both of them. We'll see if they both play in week one, but I will say Wentz, you know, it's so hard to tell when you're looking at things that aren't truly at game speed, but uh, looked okay. They appeared to be moving, you know, relatively well, certainly well for coming off a surgery like that. So I think it's possible that he can play week one, but I, I'm not overly excited about it week one. I'm not betting on them week one. I'm not super interested with the information we have today and uh, attacking that. I think that's one that, we're going to be needing some clarity on that, maybe all the way up until the uh, official and actives report. So we'll see what all that information looks like. But yeah, certainly encouraging over the course of the season for someone like Pittman. Robbie Anderson agreed to a two-year contract extension with the Panthers, valued at $29.5 million. And Adam Troutman was carted off the field on Monday with that foot injury. He's going to see a specialist. But the initial belief is that it is a minor injury, which could be mean more targets for our guy, Marquez Callaway. Quickly wrap up with this. Just want to get one word, quick thought. What, who do you guys think starts for each of these teams at quarterback in week one? Winston or Hill? We're, I think we're all kind of on the Winston side, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. hope so. Like, Dude, if Taysom Hill starts, then he definitely has some compromising photos of Sean Payton or something because <laughs> I don't know how this guy keeps... He's an interesting player, He's like a Swiss Army knife. He's a gadgety type player. I think that they can use him in specific packages like they've done. But your starting quarterback? Come on. For the Broncos, Drew Locko. Ver- uh, Drew Locko. Who's Locko? Drew Locke Locko versus Teddy Bridgewater. Who do you think wins this? I'll take Drew Locke. Yeah, it's Drew Locke for me as well. Mm. Although, at the end of the year, I, I don't know that it's going to be Drew Locke, but I think it's Drew Locke week one. Yeah, yeah. and that could mean uh, some more aggressive downfield passing early on in the season. For the 49ers, they have not named a starter yet. Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance? 
I'll I'll go Jimmy G here. I, I don't think like listen, Trey Lance, if you just like cut up a couple highlights, he looks really good. But he doesn't look super comfortable yet. Let's not forget he's coming from a D1 AA program. That doesn't mean he's not going to be good. I just don't expect him to be ready week one. Yeah. I'll lean that way as well. Um, I, I generally want to see the teams just throw the younger guy in there for the most part. But uh, I think this situation for this 49ers team is just a little bit different than some of the others with the pieces that they have. So I, I do expect Jimmy G to get the start week one as much as I would like to see Lance uh, go see what he's got. Yeah, and I will not include the Bears in here because apparently Matt Nagy has confirmed that Andy Dalton will start week one. However, Justin Fields will start the final preseason game. So let's see what he can do there. They might just not want Justin Fields to play against the Rams in week one, which makes a ton of sense. They have a fantastic defense, but hopefully soon, shortly thereafter. That'll do it for Mike and Sia. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. We'll be back again on Thursday with the Millie Maker and preseason week three. See you then. 